Bruce Friedman of Adult Side Broker, and welcome to Adult Side Broker Talk, where each week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week we'll be speaking with Mike Stabile of the Free Speech Coalition in part one of a two-part interview. At Adult Site Broker, we're proud to announce our latest project, thewaronporn.com. You'll find articles from industry websites, as well as mainstream publications from around the world. It's designed to raise awareness of our industry's plight in the war on porn and the numerous attacks on our industry and online free speech by hate groups, the religious right, and politicians. You'll find all that and more at thewaronporn.com. You've probably noticed our new podcast site at adultsitebroker.com. It has a more modern look with easier navigation and more information on our guests, including their social media links. For more, go to adultsitebrokertalk.com. And we've doubled our affiliate payouts on ASB Cash. Now, when you are first sellers or buyers to us, you're going to receive 20% of our broker commission on any and all sales that result from that referral for life. Check out ASBCash.com for more details and to sign up. Now, let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We're proud to offer a gay blog that's been in business for over 12 years. The blog highlights new talent in the gay space, gay porn news, mainstream gossip, and a just-for-fun section. The members area has lots of content you won't find in the free area. The site only takes 25 hours a week to maintain. The monthly costs are minimal, so the site is very profitable. There's an email list of over 29,000, and the site has over 165,000 social media followers. It has great potential for growth if it's purchased by a larger company or a small one where the owner will put in a little more time. There are over 600 member posts, including videos and images. The traffic is all organic, direct, and social media. No ads have been purchased. Users come primarily from the USA, the UK, and Australia. Only $450,000. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk is Bill Schwab of Monogamish. Bill, thanks for being with us today on Adult Site Broker Talk. Hello, good to be here. It's good to have you. Bill is the founder of Monogamish, a groundbreaking dating app that's shaking things up. Bill is a visionary who's using his technology and business experience to redefine the way we approach dating. It's all about empowering people to ditch old school relationship rules and really explore what they want. When he's not on the front line pushing for the future of dating, he's busy making sure Monogamish users get the absolute best user experience. Monogamish believes the world needs to celebrate all types of relationships, not just monogamy. They're here to inspire the new wave of relationships by uniting and empowering everyone who wants to date. It's a networking hub connecting the consciously like-minded through purposeful and meaningful matches. Monogamish is a judgment-free space where you can openly express your identity, individuality, sexuality, and desires. 
whether it's casual dating or long-term commitment, Monogamish can help you find someone or more special people. Love doesn't discriminate and neither does Monogamish. They're LGBTQ plus friendly and will help you find a match no matter your gender identity. They focus on helping people find other like-minded people and building connections. Plus, privacy and security are their number one priorities. Monogamish just had a relaunch where the platform was fine-tuned to ensure the utmost stability and optimal user experience. They're also focused on forging partnerships and collaborations with other forward-thinking companies. Their aim is to provide users with not only an excellent platform, but also exclusive deals and promotions that enhance their experience on the platform. Plus, they'll soon add an affiliate program. So how'd you like your commercial, Bill? That's good. (laughs) (laughs) So, Bill, why don't you tell us more about yourself and Monogamish? Yeah, sure. I'm Bill from Melbourne, um, Australia. I come from a uh, relatively entrepreneurial type of background. I've always been inspired to be a bit of an entrepreneur and always tried to reach management level in whatever I was sort of doing. Um, I come from a security kind of background. I've had 15 years in security and most recently was a general manager for a large security company. But when we have during COVID, uh, a lot of that work went quiet. So I found myself a lot of free time and that's how I sort of came and created the app. I sort of identified a space that needed a better type of solution for people that were like myself, uh, looking for other relationship type structures in the non-monogamy space, as opposed to just finding other people to walk up with. And um, yeah, we we started out with a beta in early 2020, 21, um, kind of grew from there. Sounds good. So was designing monogamish at all having to do with your own personal life and your own personal experiences? Yes, it was. Um, yeah, it came out of necessity from our own experience. I found that the platforms that were available to us here in Australia at the time were not great. Even the, the leading one, um, which I won't necessarily mention, it wasn't really great experience. Um, and the users on there, particularly for males, uh, I was partnered at the time, so I could see the, the, the difference between the response for males and females. But females got a lot of male attraction and then the males got a lot of scammer attractions. <laughs> so decided to go and sort of create our own space and lead in with something a little bit different. Sure. So what did you do specifically before founding Monogamish? I was the general manager of a large security company and I oversaw the operations of Victoria and a bit of South Australia. Um, and that included within the vicinity of the 30 to 40 nightclubs, pubs, bars, those type of things, and around three, 400 staff. Okay. What's your opinion of the overall online dating landscape? Challenging, I would say. It's, it's, it's still growing. I don't think we've still seen the peak of the dating industry as yet. We're starting to see a lot more applications created for niche markets. Um, which is good, uh, which I, I which I support. Um, I think that's it's it's a good way to be able to create more like better focused community groups and having applications specific for those community groups. But it's still early days. I think it hasn't completely matured, so there's still room for growth. Okay, yeah. In fact, I had a gentleman on the other day. That episode will run prior to yours called "Get Kingsters." And he's dealing strictly with the kink community in dating. 
So you're right. I think you're seeing a lot more niche dating sites and dating apps. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, meet meet Kingsters. That's is it, Brad? Yeah. Yeah, I've known him. I'm following his journey and things like that as well, and definitely supporting his cause. Yeah, I have a feeling there might be some good synergy between the two companies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I wouldn't say that we're in the similar space or just a little bit different. We we are in the similar space, but we're not in the same space. So, yeah, for sure. Now, I've looked at Monogamish and it's pretty awesome. But with so many options, why does the world need another dating app? This is a good question, and I've been asked that a lot most recently. That's why I asked it. <laughs> With commercial dating apps such as your, your big ones like Hinge, Tinder, and Bumble and all of those, and we've seen most recently, and I'll, I'll speak in particular to my demographic in the non-monogamous space, we've seen these larger apps adopt a feature where you can identify your relationship structure. So now in Hinge, you can, for example, mention that you're non-monogamous. But because of the application being so broad and so, I would say, targeted towards the general conservative and you know monogamous folk, the people that identify as not monogamous can be quite shunned out or segmented out and then not necessarily tailored towards fostering a good experience to those users. Because it is a little bit different. They are more open. And so sometimes it can be not the great space to be in, a, in on an app that's conser- mostly conservative. So having an application that's specific for their demographic of users makes for a better user experience, makes for better connections, and just makes an overall better experience. What happens to people who, as you say, are, you know, have different ideas on what dating and what relationships are all about? What actually happens to them when they're on a normal dating app? I mean, how are they shunned? Give me some examples. In my experience with being on the application and in some that I've heard others as well, they'll match with their user and then not necessarily know what non-monogamy is. And then when asking about it, then try and say that it's a bad thing. So instead of being open and being, okay, respectful that this person's choosing a different type of lifestyle, they'd be shunned for it or even targeted and put down on the application. That's the worst case type of scenarios, but best case type of scenarios, we've seen a lot of people and couples put ENM into their profile, so ethical non-monogamy. And when other users that don't know what that stands for, that acronym stands for, when you tell them, they just simply unmatch with you anyway. So it's just a, it's a waste of time trying to find people on something that's generally targeted towards conservatives. Yeah, that this is very true. Conservatives in the way of conservative types of dating and relationships. Yes, yeah, that's right. Okay. Not necessarily political conservatives. Let's make sure we're, <laughs> we're clear here. To our American listeners and such, yeah. <laughs> so when we say conservatives, we mean something totally different. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> God knows I'm not one. Although I, I believe that it really wouldn't surprise me if a lot of the people who are more open would be on the liberal side politically. Suppose so. I think a lot more of their values and things would align a little bit more with the open folk of the liberals. Yeah, for sure. So a few of the larger global dating platforms are trying to be more inclusive, as you mentioned, of different relationship types, including non-monogamy. Why do you feel it's important that this community has its own platform other than what you mentioned about potentially being shunned? The main reason would be for that space where you're finding other people that are like-minded. 
And for those that are in the non-monogamous space, they know that it's a different type of lifestyle. Once you sort of get into the space, there are a few things that you need to sort of learn and start putting into practice, being a little bit more open, being able to communicate a little bit better about how you're feeling, what's going on in, in your space right now. And so it gives us, or at least monogamish, and this is what we're trying to do on our platform, the opportunity to educate our users around that space and provide educational pieces and articles and connections, podcasts and such that would be able to help our community in being able to communicate better and and live a more rich, non-monogamous lifestyle. That's something you wouldn't see on the larger dating apps because, again, they're not niched, so they're not targeted towards communicating these practices to our demographic. So when we talk about non-monogamy for the layman, which for the most part, I am one in that particular area, are we largely talking about a swinger's lifestyle or is there something else? It's a bit something else. So monogamy in itself, it's not as, I would say, sexually active as a swinger's lifestyle, although they're basically close to one another. But there are other type of relationship structures there as well, because we understand that although our application is relatively targeted towards that monogamish, I mean, hence the name, we do understand that there would be other type of relationship structures that would come onto the platform as well. And so we've incorporated that into the application. Users can choose their relationship structure, be it you know, a closed relationship or an open one. We even have the option for those that were stumbled across the application that are monogamous, but would like to know a little bit more and and sort of dabble in the space. So we have that option on the relationship part of the profile as well, actually. So we're open to all of it. And we do have communication pieces around most of them. Yeah, you mentioned a podcast and you also mentioned more information. Maybe you can get into a little bit uh, more detail about that. Sure. So in the platform itself, you'll find there's a new feed type of structure. I mean, you've got your traditional, you know, swipe left, swipe right on viewing people's profiles. But there is a new, there's a new tab there where we will incorporate a feed type thing. And in there, you will find links uh, to educational pieces to people that have either been affiliated to us uh, or we find uh, a piece that might be useful and relative to our audience. And so we include that into the feed. And furthermore, we also have deals and promotions and something you mentioned in the intro is that we we offer special tailored deals and promotions to our users. And that also will appear in the feed. Okay, interesting. Is there like a discussion forum? Anything like that? Nothing. No, nothing like that. Sounds like a good idea. Yeah, I think moderating that would be a challenge. Yeah, that's not something I'm prepared to do at this point. But yeah, I mean, it could be on other channels and we're happy to sort of link that, but not at this stage. There's no actual um, chat. Okay. What are some of the unique features available on Monogamish that you're not going to find on normal dating apps? So the most prominent is the one that we're one of the first, and I'm not sure if there's any other dating app that allows this, but where we allow linking up to six profiles to your profile. So in this way, uh, something that a lot of people in the non-monogamous space have, have, have been advocating for for a long time was that dating apps and even the, the leading dating apps only ever really allowed profile to link to one other profile 
So favoring that uh, the relationship hierarchy structure where there was only one primary partner, say, for example, um, and not allowing a polyamorous relationship to be able to really show their relationship dynamic accurately on the profile because you would have to only choose one of your two partners. So we've opted for six because anything more than six would be a bit of a back office coding issue. But um, we started out with six and we'll see how we go. I haven't had too many users utilize that to their advantage just yet. But then again, we're early days, so we haven't we don't have too many users on the platform just now. Uh, we've only been live for a couple of months with the new version and slowly, slowly growing. So are you doing things to educate the users you have on those types of features? We are. Yes, you, that's exactly right. Yeah, we do. The, the educational pieces will come from, as I mentioned, uh, all the partnerships and things like that that we're working with, with other educators, and we're linking that to the application. So that's something as well that's not relatively seen in other applications. Yeah, that's definitely a feature on our application that nobody is really doing. Okay. Share a little bit about the user demographics for Monogamish. Are there certain age groups or geographic locations that seem to be more active on the platform? Yes, there are. Um, so when we launched, I was interested to see where it would sort of grow organically. Uh, we held back doing any paid advertising and such. The ma- main reason was because I bootstrapped this myself and I didn't necessarily have the funds to, ad- to do paid advertising. But we launched it internationally and the application's only in the English language. So that's a bit of a barrier for some of the other countries that don't have a English as their first speaking language. But the US is definitely dominating, I would say, in the users. It's about 50, 50% of our users are in the US and it's generally East and West Coast. Other countries that come in close next are Australia, the UK and Canada. And then you've got other countries like Germany and a few other Euro countries that come in there as well. But it's mostly America, Australia, and UK. That's interesting because you mentioned East and West Coast. I could tell you a joke. A former girlfriend of mine, I'm from San Francisco, and she was from New York. And uh, she had a joke about the East Coast and West Coast and what was in between. But I won't get into the whole joke because it'll it'll offend some people that live in the Midwest and the South. But people on those coasts do tend to be more liberal, both politically and otherwise. Might have something to do with the warmer weather. <laughs> I don't know. It just it, it's just the way it is. People on those coasts tend to be a lot more liberal in every which way. So that's kind of interesting. And then on the other hand, in the Bible Belt, well, that kind of says it all, right? <laughs> I don't think the local preacher is going to suggest you go on uh, monogamish. No, he wouldn't. Uh. <laughs> Let's say today I'm looking to join a dating app. Why would I choose monogamish? Um, if you're non-monogamous, it's definitely the space you'd want to start. We're specifically tailored for non-monogamy. So all the communications is around healthy relationship structure around non-monogamy. We're not focused on a hookup type of culture. We're looking for longevity for our users. We're wanting to be in a space where if you're in the non-monogamous space, you're looking at monogamy as an entry. At least that way, if you're an experienced user, you can link with other people that are on there. And if you're new to the space, if you're joining on, there will be uh, not only are you going to meet other people in the non-monog space that would be able to help you learn and experience what non-monogamy is all about, but we do have healthy connections and offers and things like that to our users where we'll teach what it's like to live in a healthy uh, and happy non-monogamous lifestyle. I wonder what would happen, and maybe you've already experienced it, where somebody who didn't know what 
monogamish was signed up and they weren't necessarily in that type of lifestyle. I don't know. I haven't had any reports of this. (laughs) (laughs) I think if you don't raise an eyebrow at the word monogamish, I think you're definitely living under a rock. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody, and now this is what everybody's never relatively told me is they've always said, great name. Yeah. I was just going to say that. I love it. You, you kind of know that it's something that's got to do with a relationship and it's not about monogamy. So it's immediately there. And, and our onboarding process, it's, it has everything, all the details as you're onboarding. So it would be very difficult to get to the point of swiping on profiles and not realizing that it's a space for non-monogamy. <laughs> Okay. So how does Monogamish make the user sign-up process simple and welcoming for those who might be new to this type of dating app? Uh, yeah, so it's a pretty relatively comfortable uh, UI and UX experience. We're not super quick in comparison to Tinder. I think you can get onto the platform and start swiping within seconds and without even having to upload many photos or details of your profile. But we vet every single profile before the user is able to to swipe on a profile. So the onboarding process communicates what the application is about, what the community is about, and what our rules and uh, terms and conditions are. Then there's the section where you upload just a basic, um, so we need four photos and a minimum of one prompt. And something that's that's unique to ours is that you can create your own prompts as well. So uh, we've seen on the other platforms like Hinge and Bumble where they've got the prompts, you can choose one and you're having to answer that prompt. What do you mean exactly by prompt? Oh, okay. So there's a little section where it used to be in the old dating app, there used to be what you'd call in an about me section or your bio, for example. And in the Bumble and the Hinge apps, for a comparison, we've got sections where you've got two or three of those sections where you can pick a question, like a pre-input question. And then you answer that question sort of to make your, your, your profile look fun and whatnot. Mm-hmm. We have those, we've got a whole bunch of questions which you can use. But then at the bottom of that, you can actually make your own. So you can choose, write your own, and then you write your own little prompt. Like, for instance? Yeah, oh, let's say, for instance, you wanted to talk about uh, how good it is you are at skiing or uh, I'm planning on going skiing in a couple of weeks, so that's why I'm thinking about skiing. But uh, if you wanted to talk about how good you are at skiing and there wasn't necessarily a prompt for that, you could create your own. Interesting. Tell us more about the onboarding. Yeah, that's right. So then w- once you've passed with that, um, it will bring you to the section where you can start swiping on, on users, but those swipes and actions won't be delivered until such time as your profile is validated because we manually validate each user. Uh, we don't use a, an AI or a, we do them manually. And that way we found that that's the best uh, way to ensure that we don't have any scammers and that every single person on the platform is a real user. That's good. I'm going to assume that you don't have fake profiles on there. No, absolutely not. Yeah, no, no, no. And that's why it's still really early days. We're finding users getting onto the platform and it's not too many users in too many areas, particularly users such in Canada um, and these other countries like Germany and things like this. We'd get a lot of users come back and I wouldn't say a lot of users, but I've had a couple of users email and saying, hey, there's, look, there's not many people in my area. X, Y, Z, are you new or what's going on? But we've only been a few months promoting the app and such. So we are, it's very early days uh, where we're still looking to reach that critical mass in certain cities and certain areas. I mean, when you're a new dating app, and like you said, you're getting 
people that are upset because there aren't people around you. I mean, how are you dealing with that? Just positively. I mean, we own it. There's no reason to hide for it. There's a good reason as to why we don't create fake profiles. And that, to me, that's just annoying. Um, you're in the industry, so you would have seen that dating app. I won't mention it, but uh, yeah, they got big problems. I mean, once they, they, they raised something like $200 million and the whole time it was all fake. So, you know, they're just wasting investors' money and that's just not on. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, exactly. And that's just stuff you can't do, you know. That doesn't mean they don't, but you shouldn't do that stuff. So how do you see yourself getting to, as you call, critical mass? Just organically, just naturally. It, things, These things take time. I'm happy to ride the wave and take time. I mean, in the non-monogamous space, being forward, open, and honest is valued so, so much. And that's what makes relationships work really well. And I feel if we don't approach that in the same way to our app and to our business, then what are we trying to teach and what are we trying to promote here? So absolutely no fake profiles. I'm happy to just take the time and build an app from the ground up. And if it takes us slower for us to get to critical mass, then it would, if we were to use fake profiles, then so be it. At this time, we're not heavily focused on monetization and such anyway. So yeah, it's not a problem. Yeah. If you're starting a business and you expect to make money day one, uh, don't start a business. Talk about fake profiles in the dating industry as a whole. What's your feeling about that? I don't like it because I mean, I get it. The the whole point of it is to get users on the platform as much as possible. So that way the the screen time, the on-screen time or in-app time is up there. So that way they can monetize the user as much as possible. It's annoying. (laughs) I I mean, I get it. It's, It's revenue raising and such, but it's, it comes at a cost where users experience is frustrating. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. Me personally, in the non-monogamous space, I don't necessarily see long-term value in it because, and I'll explain, I'll give an example. In a monogamous relationship, when two people match, they generally delete any other dating apps, right? Because it'd be considered cheating and such if they're seen to be on the dating app. However, on the non-monogamous space, even users that match, they would generally still stay on the platform because they're still looking to find other fun and like-minded people that would be able to possibly play and such a day with them anyway. So the lifetime value for non-monogamous users compared to monogamous users is better. So I'm aiming for a more better user experience on the platform where they're not having to match with fake profiles and not driving traffic down that path long-term. To me, it's just dishonest. I mean, I know people that have such platforms. Uh, Obviously, I know a lot of people in dating. Like you said, I get why they do it. When I was single, I tried to hook up app once. And, oh, man, that was like, that was crazy. The uh, supposed women that with these glamour shots that would contact you. I think a lot of guys either because they're hopeful or because they're just plain dumb, don't get it. And most guys are, or all guys are horny. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's using that to their advantage, but in an unhealthy way, in my opinion. So we don't do that. There's other avenues and other ways in which we'll be encouraging users to come back to the platform. Um, and that goes in, it ties into the educational pieces and fun stuff and socials and things that they will be organizing through the application. 
Yeah, and the the bottom line is they should come there because they like it. So privacy is a big concern for people when they go about exploring their relationships and their sexuality. How does monogamish manage the issue of privacy and security? So from the user's perspective, there's uh, definitely a tier. Uh, any subscription offers you the option to uh, hide your profile photos. As a basic, every user has the option to choose their own name or synonym or nickname on the profile, so users don't have to use their real name. And then in the in our level in our in our back offices, uh, the privacy stuff is heavily guarded, and we don't sell data. Some companies sell user data for advertising purpose and, and revenue raising and such. That's something we don't do. There's other ways in which we make money through the application, how we've chosen to monetize our application. And although that's not the focus for us at the moment, is we're only just a user, we're in a growth period. So we're just looking for user acquisition at this time. But when we get to a point of past user mass and we look to properly monetize it, our main revenue would come from subscriptions. But there's a couple of other ways in which we make money there as well, but they're not, they wouldn't be considered unethical or, you know. I get it. And let's face it, with all the privacy laws now, you're really setting yourself up for trouble if you're selling people's data. Yeah, you need to be super careful with that. Uh, you need to notify your users that, that that's happening, even though it's it's a simple tick. <laughs> but uh, it, it's so common. Most people kind of expect it, and they're generally quite surprised when, there's, when they go on the application that doesn't sell their data, particularly something like a dating app or a fan-finding app. Well, your background is in online security. How helpful is that having uh, a dating app now? Yeah, definitely really good. We've got really good security features and things like that in the back end. So users can feel confident and and comfortable that their information that they're putting onto the platform is is safe. Well, yeah. I mean, we had the whole Ashley Madison thing maybe five, six years ago. That was quite a fiasco. Yeah, that's right. I'm sure that discouraged a lot of people from even going on dating apps. Yes and no. I think people have kind of all forgotten, long forgotten about that, I think. I mean, here in Australia, we had a data leak with a large telco company. Um, But even then, it's sort of nothing really too damaging came out of that. Yeah, well, there's all kinds of data leaks these days. And a lot of the companies were a lot bigger than Ashley Madison. So it's one of those things where there's bad people out there and they're targeting everything and everybody. There was one in a similar space. There was one for one of the apps called ThreeFun. That's a threesome dating app. And that one got targeted most recently. I remember they'd somehow managed to log into their back office and then lock everybody out and then ask for a ransom so that way they could release a login. But uh, they managed to work their way around it. So That's a good thing. I hate those to see those ransoms paid. Those people are just, you know, abominable. And when they get compensated for committing crimes, it really bothers me. Ditto. Yeah, I don't support that. Yeah. So you're based in Melbourne. How would you describe the dating scene in Australia, especially in regards to non-monogamy and different types of relationships? Is it becoming increasingly accepted? Yes, very much so, I would say. Um, we are very progressive and forward-thinking country. Um, I think it's definitely accepted. I wouldn't say that if you're a non-monogamous, then you'd have to be worried about that. We're a very open country. 
You know, my developers from Australia, I think I told you that. And I just love Aussies and the way they look at life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're a pretty chill country. <laughs> I mean, we've got a particular type of suburban area where it's definitely progressive. In Melbourne, it would be your, your Brunswick. Just the Smith Street there is very open to gay communities and other LGBTQ plus communities. Yeah, we're very open to these ideas. Yeah, you talk about the LGBTQI plus community. I'm from San Francisco, so, and I think Melbourne is a lot like San Francisco in that way, isn't it? I don't know. I'll have to come up and visit (laughs) and let you know. I've never been to America, so yeah. It's a great city. It has its issues these days, like a lot of big cities in America, but San Francisco is still a marvelous place. I'll take you to a Giants game if we're both out there at the same time. So Monogamish offers a premium paid subscription option with additional features for users to take advantage of. Do you see that people are willing to pay for an improved dating experience? Yes, yes, they do. Even when I had the first version of the application and we were just a beta, I was stunned to see people pay for subscription uh, and certain tiers of subscriptions, even when we were super early days. So it just showed that, yes, there are users on the platform that are willing to pay. And like I mentioned, it's not a focus for us right now. We are looking to grow user and then tailor the application to our users so that it's a better experience for them. And then we can justify charging uh, or having the option for users to upgrade. I mean, even at this point, we definitely have people subscribe. There was a purchase yesterday and there was a few purchases uh, a couple of days before that. So people definitely do pay. That's awesome. So looking ahead, what are you most excited about in terms of monogamish's development? Do you have any targets or changes you're looking to achieve? Yes. So though I mentioned it earlier, it's the feed. We're just ironing out how that's going to work. Um, and we're probably weeks away from launching it or incorporating at least the first part of it. Probably by the time this drops in September that uh, it will uh, it'll be there or October, actually. Sorry. Yeah, by the time this releases, it'll probably be in there already. And the feed structure will be something a bit new. Um, it'll be connected to the pro- like profiles will appear on the feed as well, along with the educational pieces and deals and promotions and social happenings and things like that around the user's local area. All of that kind of stuff will be sort of in the feed, um, sort of close to your Instagram or Facebook type of feed structure where you're scrolling and things will appear. By the way, you mentioned partnerships, and since this is a B2B podcast, what types of companies are you looking to work with? Anyone, really. If you're seeing that our users or this demographic is your target and your target audience, then absolutely, we'd be happy to work with you. Um, I mean, we've got a monthly newsletter that we push out as well, along with being the application, having that feed structure where you could advertise your business or products or services. Absolutely. I'm open to communicating and discussing what that might look like. By all means, for reach out to me. And I'm sure you'll probably ask me how to reach out to me at the end of the podcast anyway. So, Why don't you tell us now? <laughs> like you just LinkedIn and, and you know, or Instagram. It doesn't really matter. Whatever's most convenient for them. But you can always find me under Bill Schwab. Or they can hit me up on my site and I'd be glad to do an introduction. Not a problem. And your socials will be uh, on the podcast page if you're a good boy and you fill out your form that I send you. How can we keep up with you and the developments at Monogamish? Uh, LinkedIn is definitely uh, what I'm kind of posting what we're doing in the back end. 
but we're only just now starting to do a proper posting on the Instagram page. Uh, I had a pretty basic Instagram page there for a while, just only to you know reserve the name. Um, and the Instagram page is Get Monogamish, similar to our website for getmonogamish.com. But we're only just just getting started in that space now. And I'll spell that for people: M O N O G A M I S H. Are you on Twitter? Yes, we are. Yeah. Yeah. Although that one's not super active either. Well, they can find you there. So what's next for monogamish? Just growth. Well, our focus areas at this time is just Australia, the UK and America. The main focus is Australia at this point. Um, the next one would be America, but it's just getting the, the platform working correctly and having the user experience really good. That's the main focus. Yeah, because before you want to invite a lot of people in your house, you want to make sure you redecorate it, right? That's right. You want to make sure it's clean and, and ready and the food's out there on the table ready for people that are wanting snacks. And if you've ever been to a, a party party, if you know what I'm talking about. I've actually been to uh, industry events where they just had like like chips as food. And I'm like, oh, God, why are you people inviting people here? You want a bit of a range. You want to have your fruits, your chocolates, your lollies and your, you know, party pies and a couple of proper sandwiches and things like that. So if you have a good, you know, setup for a good party, I think it'll be very attractive and enticing for users. So we're just organizing that right now. In the next couple of months, the feed structure will, will be in the app and then we'll have the opportunity to link in all the educational pieces that we have and all the affiliates that we have that are all in the educational space around uh, non-monogamy and everything. And it would be a very comfortable and really nice experience for our users. Yeah, you made me hungry for breakfast since I haven't <laughs> had it yet. Well, Bill, I'd like to thank you for being our guest today on Adult Slate Broker Talk. And I hope we'll get a chance to do this again soon. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much, Bruce. And thank you so much. Thank you. My broker tip today is part two of how to buy a site. Last week, we discussed first deciding the type of site you want to buy and then establishing what your budget is. Next, it's time to look for your new website. So where do you look? Well, Adult Site Broker is a great place to start. We always have a nice variety of website and non-website properties for sale. But if there's a particular type of site you want, we can also act as your buyer's broker to help you find just the right site. Other places to look are boards like xbiz.net and gfy.com. But to be completely honest, unless what you're looking for is a really low-end property, you're probably not going to find what you're looking for there. Of course, you could contact site owners yourself, but take it from someone who does it for a living. It's a major hassle, and it can be really hard to even find out who owns a site. Almost all adult sites use Whois Privacy from their domain registrar, so when you send them an email, it will be an anonymous address, and in most cases, the emails aren't returned. We have a huge database of sellers and generally know who owns what. And if it's a website of note, if we don't know who owns it, we can usually find out. We'll talk about this subject more next week. And... Next week, we'll be speaking with writer Ralph Greco. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Bill Schwab. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman.